That's just beautiful. Thank you so much. These ancient words and what we heard from John about the idea of wisdom being there even before creation, wisdom that makes all things possible, this wisdom of God. Romans 5, I'll be sharing today. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand, and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that he has given to us. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. I wanted to actually have a job, you know, something to do. The Christian faith is not just about what you think or even what you believe. It's what you do about what you think and what you believe. And this is what we do. We have peace. We're peacemakers. That's what we're supposed to be in the business of, is making peace with others and showing the lifestyle of peace. So let's get into this. This is a great scripture. The second verse. Uh, and not only that, but we also boast. And here Paul goes off the rails. Here Paul makes our faith a challenge. Up to now, everybody's happy. We're at peace with God, we're saying our prayers, we're attending church, we're good people. And now Paul's got the audacity to say to us, we boast in our suffering. What? We boast in our suffering. Who can boast in being hurt? I was going for the Warriors in the championship. And they all got hurt. Every last one of them were hurt. I've never seen a team get so hurt. They were dropping like flies. And once that one player went down, you know, the clay guy, I said, it's over. I just walked out the room. I got so frustrated. See, see how in the world could we boast in our suffering? Because suffering hurts. The world tells us we are not supposed to suffer. It ignores people who are suffering. It tells us to not, uh, you know, focus on that in any way. We should look beyond it. But Paul is saying not only should we look at our suffering, we need to boast in our suffering. So in other words, here's what my word is, that the word is on the screen, embrace your pain. What is your pain? See, we're getting down to the real faith now. Not some idea that's being told about this, uh, this is a story. We're talking about the real faith that makes the real difference in a real life. How do we embrace our pain? We have to identify our pain. We have to say what our pain is. Understand, when you start to identify your pain, you start to reveal things that you have tried to suppress for years. 
Paul is saying we need to boast in our suffering because this suffering will teach us how great our God is. Suffering shows us how powerful and how wonderful and how majestic God is. The world doesn't want to hear this stuff. The world only wants to hear feel-good religion, feel-good ideas. What we're talking about here is the real faith. Embrace your suffering. You'll realize you're not alone in your suffering. Other people are hurting too. Our society is hurting. Our world is hurting. You can only ask a teacher how much it is, and their students can tell you. You can ask a police person, they'll tell you. A preacher, we all see the suffering on a daily basis. And Paul is saying, embrace your suffering, boast in it, because suffering is going to produce something in you that the world cannot know, and that's endurance. Now, the Greek word there for endurance means we hang on. You've seen the picture of the kitty cat at the end of the rope, and it says, hang on, just hang in there, baby. See, endurance means you hang on. Hang on. One more day. Give me one more day, God says. One more day. One more hour. One more minute. Just hang on. I'm there. Do not give up. Do not lose hope. Hang on. It's going to be all right. Hang on. I know it's getting dark. I know it's getting hard. I know we are going to have trouble. I know trouble is coming in bucket loads. But hang on. That's going to end up being the preaching that's going to happen in the next 20 years in the true church. It's going to be the message of hanging on because God is going to deliver us. This endurance is this ability to hang on. And some of you are spiritual redwoods. If you had a preacher just called you trees. <laughs> you are tough. I've seen you hang on through some tough things. I've seen you when regular people would just melt down. They would lose sight. They would lose hope. I've seen you be faithful and you stand tall in the grace of God. I know what God has blessed Spring Hill with. It's this ability to endure. And Paul is saying to be a Christian, not only do you understand we're going through a hard time, but we're doing something about it. And what we're doing is we're hanging on. Hang on. That's what, that's what your parents tell you. That's what your father said. Hang on. We got to stop. You're going to Disney World. Hang on. Because uh, children got to stop every other mile, it seems like, on any vacation. They just always want to stop somewhere. You know, hang on. We're going to get there. Hang on. Hang on. See, God is saying to us, we got to hang on. We, got to, we have to endure to be able to survive the suffering that is taking place. Now, let's look at the next verse. In this endurance, you notice there's a pattern here. These aren't random ideas. This isn't a random series of scripture Paul is designing a system of survivability and success this pain that we embrace and say it is my pain we now learn to endure and that endurance produces character and character is that part that makes us who we are you never know what the person beside you has gone through you never know you never know their story. They can tell you bits and pieces, but you cannot know. When I was a young pastor, I went to a family's home after the death of the husband. And there was a preacher, I won't say what denomination or what group, he was in there talking to the wife. And he said to her, he said, it is the will of God what has happened. I'm a young preacher. 
I was kind of hateful when I was a young preacher, and I wanted to drag him outside and teach him a lesson. But I said, I'll just let this happen. And he says, the will of God, and uh, you have to understand that God knows better. And if you have faith, it'll be all right. And it screamed out to me all wrong what he was doing. Because what he was describing is not a true faith, but a false belief. The true faith says, how can I know what you've gone through? I'm not in your shoes. I can think I am, but I do not know what you have gone through, the suffering you have gone through. But I can tell you one thing, my Jesus does. I can tell you my Lord does. He not only knows what we're going through, he's done something about it. Not something that we think, but what he knows will help us. And he helps us. He's the character. He's the one we become more like. When we need Jesus, we become like Jesus. And Jesus helps us, Paul is saying. And he's describing this and giving this to an early church that's about to go through massive persecution. The Christian faith, the world governments are trying to condemn it and put it out of business. They don't want this gospel of love and peace and hope to become a dominant form on the earth. They want it to be war and rumors of war. They want it to be devastation. They want it to be control. They want it to be all these things that make the world a bad place. And here comes this faith that's saying we're able because God is more than able to make it where we can be the character that God wants us to be. So what is the Christian character? When the world says stop, we go. When the world says cry, we laugh. When the world knocks us down, we pick ourselves back up. And all throughout history, people of faith have picked themselves up by the grace of God. And there's nothing more beautiful when people of faith respond after their hearts have been broken by coming back to the house of God and giving God the praise and the glory, just like I did the other night walking through the house, blessing and praising God that I have three unique and beautiful children, and God has blessed me and Leona to be able to be their parents for a short time because in heaven I will not be their daddy. I will just be their friend because my father and their father is our father in heaven. And holy is his name. And I don't want to give them up. I don't want to let go of them. But I know they're in far better hands than I could ever give. Because love tells me so. That's the Christian character. That's the character that Jesus is saying we need to survive and thrive in this challenging and troubled world. So, so we're going to get down to the application of this in a minute. And we still got one more step, and it's the most important step. This character then produces inside the believer something which does not make sense to the world. It produces hope. And I tell you right now, Christian Hope is able to overcome so many things. This church is a testimony to that. This church has been through challenges in its history. It's been through times that it's lost um, members that have been so important, family members to some of you and others. This church and even our general church and the greater church, we have been through so much, yet hope has helped us to persevere because hope never fails us. Hope is true. Hope not in us, 
hope in God. So no matter what happens, you always have that access. You always have that number. You always have that, that connection. God, God will help you through this. That's what hope does. Even though it may not look like you're going to be able to get what you want in the sense of a job or, or a situation or a certain relationship, if you put your hope in God, amazing things happen. Let's go to this fifth and final verse because it describes what hope really does. Hope does not disappoint us. How many times have you been disappointed in your life? I'm not talking about, you know, national championships or jobs. or I'm talking about really disappointed. How many times have you been disappointed in your life? Yeah. Life is a series of disappointments, isn't it? We hope it's better, but it's not. We finally get to what we think is the prize, and we look around, and we wonder, is that it? But God's hope, it never disappoints us. God always exceeds our expectation with hope because he pours love, he says, into it, into our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit that he has given to us. Now, uh, now let's roll this into the application. How do we as Christians embrace this pain that we have? What is our pain right now? I'll tell you what the pain is right now for me. I'll tell you what the pain is. It's this right here. It's this right here. This is my pain right here. I'm looking. Are, are there any more? Empty pews is my pain. There's no excuse for it. This society has been the most blessed society in the history of humanity, given religious freedom by the founding fathers and mothers of our nation, and we found every other reason to not give praise to God. All we ask for is a few hours on a Sunday morning with a Sunday school in a church, and we somehow have made it where it's our time instead of God's time. My pain is that we've got a people who do not appreciate the father that gave birth to them. And I'm going to tell you, our father is not happy about it. I told you it's a real life application. It's in a metaphor, an idea. I'm not giving you a pleasant thought to chew on during the week. I'm hitting real hard here. I, and, and understand it hits all the way around. What's wrong with the postmodern culture? That it doesn't even understand that if this goes away, do you think there's hope? Do you think Washington, D.C. is going to give it to you? Do you think the world is going to give it to you? All they're going to give you is the other part of hopeless instead of hope. That's one of my pains. That's one that I can preach about, by the way. That's one, I mean, I tell you, that's very dramatic. Me pounding on empty pews. But the good news is there's churches that my arm would have been sore because they're all empty. Thank God here at Spring Hill, we're still hanging on, baby. We're hanging on. We're, we're on the last thread of that road. We're, we're hanging in there. We're enduring, and we're going to endure until Jesus comes back again. Amen? Amen. Now let's get to a real pain because that's just that's a preacher's pain. Preacher's pains are, well, they're like ingrown toenails. They hurt, but you can't do anything about it hardly except cut them out. 
my real pain in my heart is your hurt. I'm sorry you're hurt. You didn't deserve it. The world is not right. It's messed up. Now, I can do something about that by saying that I love you, as you said, Ralph, Sylvia. But I can say God loves you. I can do something about that. My faith can't bring back my dad and my mom. They're gone to God. My faith cannot bring back my sister and her entire family. They're gone to God. But my faith is going to allow me to see them again. Because there's a circle that is not broken, a table that has been prepared. I've always felt when I first get to heaven, I'm going to cry. I'm going to cry like a baby. Daddies aren't supposed to cry, are they, Randy? We're not supposed to cry, are we? We're tough. We went to school and played football and all. We're not supposed to cry. But I tell you, when you get a hit, it hurts. When I get to heaven, I'm just going to cry like a baby. I'm just going to fall down in the sands on the golden shore with the city over there. And I'm just going to fall down and start crying. And people are going to say, why are you crying, Jerome? What's the matter, Jerome? And I'm going to say, I'm just so happy. <laughs> because pain is gone. The pain is gone. The pain is gone. I'm going to cry because I'm happy. See, that is hope. My hope is the day will come that these earthly tears will cease and the real tears that I should be crying will start. This hope does not disappoint us. There's always a three. So what's the final pain I have? Well, it's not my body. My shoulder's really hurting lately. And I think I have a rotor cup problem. I played a lot of tennis and everything. I, got, I hit a pine tree one time, but that's a long story. But I, I'm starting to ache in places now. Ache. But I, that's not my final pain. I mean, arthritis and I'm going to have to get some of that liniment grandma had that really smelled bad. It really did. And... Uh, so if y'all have a stinky preacher pretty soon, don't worry about it. Just don't say nothing. Just, just, it's okay. But that's not my final pain. My final pain isn't me. I mean, what's wrong with me? Because God's still working on me. <laughs> and he's definitely working on all of us. So what is my final pain? I don't know. See, I'm going off the script right now. I weren't planning to take it to three pains. Because two's more than enough. What, what could be my final pain? What, what do you think our final pain is? Let me ask you. This isn't rhetorical. Who wants to answer? What's our final pain? Call out a pain that, that is our pain, our suffering, our sorrow. No acceptance of God in this world. Amen. The lost, the ones who know not Jesus, the ones who do not see hope, the ones who are in the darkness. I love the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit opens and closes doors, how the Holy Spirit does what the Holy Spirit does. 
there's a debate going on right now. Last Sunday, you remember, on the day of Pentecost, you remember when I said in the sermon that the Holy Spirit, I pray, will come in here and the wind will blow open? At the very second I did that, the folks in the back told me, is that right? They're back there nodding. The door to the office, the debate is it opened or it's closed, and I do not know which it did. At the very second, now Leona said the air condition come on at that moment, but air condition never closed it before or opened it before. So my question is right now, is that door opening or is it closing in your life? Is God closing a door to open a new one or is he opening a door and closing another? What is God doing right now that opens up the door and the one thing we can share is the lost have not a spirit. That doors open and close for they are doomed by their very sorrow and their sorrow will lead them. What do you think hell is made of? You know, preachers can say that. Don't say that. Wash your mouth out with soap. I ain't telling your parents what to do, but don't be using bad language. Too much bad language in this culture right now. Terrible language. Shame on people for that. I'm, I can start preaching about that, but I won't. See, we're given, oh, that, that would hurt somebody. I know it did. I just felt it. I felt, I, I felt the Spirit told me that somebody got called on that. But that's okay. That's okay because I'm, I'm, not, I'm not indicting anybody. I'm saying embrace your pain. Embrace what God has given to you and this idea that we're called to reach out to those who have not hope because what do they have? They're not crying with tears of joy. They're weeping and gnashing their teeth because here's what Jesus said. Their punishment is eternal. I didn't make it up. It's not my opinion. It's eternal. I do not understand that. Seems like to me God could punish them and they'll learn their lesson. But this is something Jesus did not qualify. He said, those without hope have nothing. It's eternal. Now what's motivating me to go to heaven? It's not the other place. It's who I'm going to be with there. The people I love. My family. My friends, my church members, I'll be with my Lord most of all. See, he's describing to us this wonderful pattern of how we can live in our life to overcome all obstacles that have been given and this hope that ultimately comes because of the Christian lifestyle does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts, not God's knowledge into our heads. It's not what you know, it's who you know. Jesus the Christ. So when you're about to go through something and you're worried about it, you give it to God. Completely give it to God. Say, Lord, it's yours. I lay it upon you. I give it to you that I know you can do something about it. I don't know what to do. I'm in somebody else's hands. Lord, help me get through this. And our God will pour into our hearts the love through the power of the Holy Spirit, the same one that opened or closed that door, the Holy Spirit that's in this church. Last person I met at conference before I took off, Miss Norma, was a, he was a policeman. He's retired now. His name is C.T. Hayes out of Rocky Mount. Me and him talked for 20 minutes. 
He was talking about the little church he's in, found out he was Pentecostal, he married the Methodist woman there, and he goes to church now and he's trying to pour some Holy Spirit into that little church he goes. And he said the other day they worked and they put together 10,000 meals, 10,000 in their little church. I said, that's a lot of meals. He said, we worked hard. I said, that's a wonderful thing. And then when I left and I was thinking on the way back, see, God always works in signs with me. Doors opening and closing, thunder happening, lights going on and off. I mean, God works in signs with me. I saw a butterfly the other day, and it's, it's blowing my mind. I've, I've been, I've been, and I'll tell you about another sermon, but God works in signs. And I was driving home, and I thought about it, and I said, this man was a sign. God put him in my way for a reason. Why did C.T. Hayes become a part of my story and my journey? And then it dawned on me, his name. C. T. Hayes. C. Through the Hayes. C. Through the Hayes. And see the truth. That's why God put them in my way. To tell me to quit worrying about all these little things and to see through them for what they are, their diversion. And to look where God wants me to look and to see what God wants me to see. And what I see right now is a people, you guys, who are tough enough, strong enough, smart enough, handsome enough, beautiful enough, wonderful enough, loving enough, that these empty pews will not overwhelm. You are the children of God, and he loves you. And if God loves you, who can be against you? Meyer, you're about to go off on a big adventure, aren't you? Your parents are going off on a big adventure too, you know, empty nesters. What does an empty nest do? I don't know. Me and Randall, we're going to talk. We're going to form a club. Aren't we, Randall? That's right. <laughs> well, well, we're going to be wondering, you know, what's going to happen you can handle it. Whatever the world throws at you, you'll figure it out. Just make it so we're comfortable, you know. And um, I want juice. I like juice, you, you know. I want juice. I, I want to be comfortable. So when y'all take the world, make it nice for us. And on Father's Day, just remember that. Mother's Day, too. Because I have hope in you. I have hope. You'll figure it out because God is on your side. I praise God for each and every one here. You're special. You're beautiful. You're a mess sometimes, but you're beautiful. And you happen to be God's mess. And hope does not disappoint us. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that he has given to us. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.